Hey friends, we're diving into the top 10 priorities for homesteading. This one Lacey and I had a ton of fun with. We'd love for you to join us, listen to some of these. Try and guess what Lacey's top one priority is in this episode. I think my favorite one so far is learning how to save seeds. But uh, go ahead and dive into this episode. We're excited to share with you. Welcome to the Schoolhouse Life Podcast, where we believe that life is a schoolhouse. Totally. We're super dorks with a passion for sharing our love of homeschooling, homesteading, natural health care, plant medicines, natural childbirth, healthy eating, meditation, creative endeavors, overall self-sufficiency for the whole family. Oh, and don't forget self-development and spirituality. Oh, of course. Key players. We hope you'll be inspired to do things you haven't, try things that could make your life better, and mostly we want to encourage you to never stop learning and let your life be a schoolhouse too. Welcome, friends, to the podcast. Today, we're talking about the top 10 priorities for homesteading right now in these kind of times. This is from somebody that just joined our group, and we both thought this was a fun one to list out what those Good are. Good topic, yeah. yeah. It was it was kind of hard for us to like come up with a list of 10, so it might be a little longer than that, but it actually is maybe a little shorter, too, because it's sort of like categorized. But yeah, I mean, I think if you're trying to be self-sufficient and you're looking at what can I do just to kind of rel- be more self-reliant, this is a really good a good thing to think about. So Lacey laid out this list. Lacey, is this list in order of importance to you or is this just a list that no, it's in an order of importance. So should we start at the end or should we start at the beginning? Yeah, I feel like we got to build up to what the, the most countdown. important is. Mm-hmm. You guys, listeners, if you are listening right now, you go ahead and guess what it is. <laughs> and um, what the most important what thing the most is. important thing to Lacey is <laughs> to Lacey it's to everyone whether you know it or not if you know Lacey you know what it is <laughs> I, it's an easy one okay so number 12 I'm going with this one number 12 because we couldn't do just 10 well 9 and 9 through 12 kind of go together. 9 through 12 okay yeah, yeah. so we're gonna we'll just list those out it's to learn to hunt or produce meat which then puts us into chickens eggs meat Goats, meat, and milk. I was listing off what they do for you. And meat. Yeah, so chickens make you eggs and meat, right? Right. Goats can make you meat and milk. Right, and sheep and can make sheep... you meat and wool. Yeah, well, I felt like wool <laughs> wasn't that pressing for most people. Right, it's going to be a bad situation if you're having to shear your sheep and make clothes. Yeah, but... I felt like that was kind of, we're not that desperate yet. No, but that would be pretty cool. We uh, do have lots and lots of yarn, which is nice because, you know, who knows? If I have to start knitting all our clothes, we'll right. be set. Or spinning and then knitting. Yeah. Okay, so sheep, I think, is one of our favorites. It's also an incredible pain. It's a joy and a heartbreak. Some, yeah. da- some days back to back. Sheep try really hard to die. I read a saying a little while ago that, you know, a sheep is sick about a day after it dies, <laughs> it, which is just like, it feels like that's true sometimes. So you've got two kind of sheep. You've got, and we're going to not go super deep into all these animals. But I feel like you're already way deep. Yeah, I'm way, I'm way deep. <laughs> so we've got two kinds of sheep. We've got wool sheep and meat sheep. Meat sheep are called Wait, hair sheep. Wait, this is really confusing. Yeah, yeah. because... Hair sheep is the name for sheep that you grow for meat, not wool. Right, so, because they have hair, and not hair. wool. Right. And then you got your wool <laughs> sheep, which is very confusing. For a long time, people would ask me what I had, and I, I would say hair sheep, but I thought that's because it was wool, you know? Yeah, no. Very confusing. So it's just like chickens. So we'll then go to chickens. With chickens, you've got layers and you've got broilers. Broilers are the meat chickens. Layers are I will say for wool sheep though, you can use them, they're dual purpose. So you can use them for meat and for wool, which is the is the twofer, right? Right. And that's where I was going. So like with chickens, I think that wool sheep don't give you as much meat per I don't know. Bird. Per per 
bird or per, per sheet right. as uh, a meat one does. So it's just kind of like over the years, the genetics have been selected for meat or for, for wool laying or, or laying. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. get familiar. You know, what are you interested in doing? Do you have to eat meat? If so, then you need to have a plan for that. Right. Exactly. And I think a hard lesson we've learned with chickens is it's really hard to get a chicken with a good quality amount of meat on it that it also lays eggs. Like, you've got to get a meat bird if you want to get meat from chickens. Or you'll have a very, very chewy dinner. Yeah, chewy or a stock pot, lots of soups lots of <laughs> with soup. a hint of chicken in them. With a hint of chicken. So I will say, I will point out too that, you know, even though if you're trying to be self-sufficient and live on a homestead, these are things that you would definitely want to do. If you don't live on a, on a homestead, you can totally rely on providers in your community that do. And connecting with those people, the people who are local. Because what we've seen, I think, with, during this time of COVID, we've seen there's a lot of system breakdowns where we're relying on things that are coming from far away and there's a whole system of delivery that has been interrupted. And what we want to do is we want to eliminate as much of that system as we possibly can and get back to the point where we're, we're either growing our own or we are buying from the person who grows i always say and we even made bumper stickers if you want one let me know it says know your farmer know you know your food and and that's really where i think self-sufficiency lies is when we know our farmer and maybe it's us and then we can know our food totally oh i was gonna say so the net the thing that i think also is important is you know vegetarians i know you, some of you are probably wincing right now if you're the vegetarians out there on the whole meat topic but when you're buying meat from someone who's doing like regenerative agriculture if your reasons are climate change for that you know there's a lot of good that's being done in the regenerative agricultural movement to bring better soil health better earth health sequester carbon that kind of thing so just to give that some consideration I heard somebody else say, you know, that even carrots or vegetables have a connection to the earth and are transmitting and that kind of thing. So, you know, if you look at it that way, an animal, a carrot, it's all alive, which that's a challenging one. I'm still processing. Mm, I think it was Michael Pollan who talked about that, thinking about the health and the environment of his, of his meat and then also his vegetables, too. There's a good quote that I'm not saying right, but it's important to think about all the things we eat, right? So yeah. that brings us to the next which would be learn how to improve soil health. On the list, we're at eight, right? We're counting down. So learning how to improve soil health will give you all, eventually, will give you all the power. You will wield all the power. It turns out this soil was developed perfectly for this earth, and we've kind of stripped it of all the goodness because we weren't thinking ahead, and now we can do that. And, and here's the good news, is that this earth heals very, very quickly. It's so intuitive and can fix itself if we'll just sort of facilitate that healing. So improving soil health, this is important if you have a home garden, it's important if you just wanna know about how your things were grown. Um, improving soil health is the the most powerful thing that we can do. It is, and I still, like every time I think about it, there's that quote from Lewis and Clark where they could tie a blade of grass around their waist while sitting on their horses in the plains like the grass was that high and it's just the idea of like you know the grass has not evolved in that amount of time to be short grass like the grass that's growing out in our pastures now has that potential to be that high 
and to be sequestering that much carbon and, you know, making the earth that much better. So that's kind of like, I don't know if that's a goal because I don't know that I want grass that high. But if, Well, you do if you want fat sheep. That's true. If you want fat sheep, that would be amazing. So, I mean, the truth of the matter is that's just a representation. What's above is a representation of what's below. And so we really want to just stop taking all the nutrition away and just let that replenish and let that re regenerate, right? So, yeah, soil health. And that's something we can do in our gardens, too, when it comes to mulching. And, and to growing things that improve soil health and that kind of thing. For sure. So then moving on to how to save seeds, I feel like is a really important skill. And it's something that will just take us one more step away from relying on someone else. Now, this is something we do just kind of for fun at this point. We don't really rely on it heavily, but it is something that I've, I've learned a good bit about over the years. And there's good ways to store your seeds. There's good seeds. You know, when do you harvest? How do you prevent them from cross-pollinating so you get a true to, true to the seed kind of plantings? Some things are good to use your own seeds. Some things are not as good. So it's a learning process for sure, but it can be a really satisfying thing to one. One really good example for us is I, I'm a sort of a seed stealer. And I was going to say, Lacey's a seed smuggler. I'm a smuggler. <laughs> that's right. Anytime we're out in somebody else's garden and they have something on the vine that I can take with seeds in it, I will. <laughs> Generally, they don't notice. Sometimes I ask, sometimes I don't. But one time we were in a, a garden at like a local battleground that was having a... It was like Revolutionary War. Yeah, Revolutionary War. So they had a garden there as like a demonstration garden. And I stole one of the beans because I thought, oh, that's a fun bean. So I stole them. One pod. I stole one pod. So it probably had about eight to 10 seeds in it. Well, then last year I grew those for the first time and we probably got, you know, eight to 10 plants and probably like, I don't know, 50 beans. And this year we took the crop that we got from that, which was about half of a pint mason jar. And we planted a whole row of these beans. And now we have it's about a 50, a whole row of these 50 beans. foot bean, yeah, bean row. 50 foot bean row. And so we have, you know, a whole, a whole bunch of beans. And it, to just think that that all came from one one bean pod is pretty pretty amazing. And the cool thing is like that's an heirloom that like goes all the way. I know they're staying period specific specific. Yeah, sure so you know that's like a, a seed that's been saved since revolutionary times, mm -hmm. and we're we've got it still going. Yeah. And as you select those seeds and those plants from your property, you start growing plants that grow the best on your property and your soil, and you know kind of harmonize with your life and your well-being you know if you get deeper it's like you're living on the farm and everything kind of starts becoming this closed loop that all synergistically works together so i love seed saving for that reason and I love seed swapping and sharing. So last year in the springtime, we had a seed swap here and it was super successful. We loved it. It was my favorite thing ever. And it kept us from having to really buy a lot of seeds last year because everybody brought, you know, their excess and there was plenty to go around. Yeah, there's a lot. Uh, more than enough to go around. So, of course, watch for that to be on our schedule too. If you're local, we'd love to invite you to that. Okay, so number six, learn how to grow perennials. This is one that I feel like people wait too long on. This should be like the first thing you do. Note how I think this is more important than how to save seeds. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, so this is like the first thing you should do when you move onto a property because they take a while to get established. There's like, you know, fertilizing and making sure they have water and lots of specifics. But once you get these going, this is what we kind of hit into this year was we were walking out in our yard and we would pick some peaches and then get a handful of blueberries a few raspberries this year, you know, and then down to grapes and blackberries. And, you know, it was just like this walking, like, and it wasn't a ton. It was like a handful at a time. Next year, I'm convinced we'll be even better, but. 
We put up a lot, though. We were able we to did. put up a ton of blackberries, yeah. and I made blackberry jam. And so there were a lot of things that came into fruition this year that, you know, we've been waiting for. We've been, you know, for the last seven years or so, been kind of planting and uh, cultivating. And, and, and it doesn't have to take that long, but blueberries and things like that will sometimes take a little bit longer. And we've still got things coming, like pecan trees and hazelnuts. Someday nuts. we're going to have a hazelnut farm like you wouldn't believe. But, uh -huh. <laughs> it's kind of a joke because we have hazelnut bushes that are now like six feet tall and still no hazelnuts. So yeah. <laughs> we haven't figured that one out. If you're a hazelnut expert or know about that in North Carolina, hit us up. We'd yeah. love to yeah. get some more information from you on that. Okay, number five, Lacey. Growing. So learn your zone and your native species and how you can use them. This kind of fits in with the perennials, but it kind of is a little bit separate. So just understanding, you know, what zone are you in? Getting familiar with the plants and natives in your environment so that you can, you know, really be able to walk around and notice, oh, hey, there's plantain. I can eat that if I need to. Or there's dandelion, and I know what that is edible as well. I can make salad with that. And those are two really specific that most people actually can grow in their area. And then there are the local trees, and what fruits do they provide? What roots can you eat? And just kind of getting familiar with these different things that maybe you're not going to turn to on the regular, but in the case of an emergency, it's really nice to know. This year we learned about sassafras, which we've mm -hmm. kind of always known, but we actually went out in the woods and found it on our property harvested. this time mm -hmm. and harvested it. And, and the, the kids are so excited Yeah, the it. kids love it. Every time we go in the woods now, they're looking for it. And that one it tastes like root beer, if you don't know. Mm, that's and, what they used to make root beer out of. And you can pull the plants out and chew on the roots right there, and they mm -hmm. have a root beer flavor to them. It's it's a really cool plant. Mm -hmm. It is. And, I mean, it's just one of those things where, again, when we increase that diversity and our ability to understand the diversity around us, um, instead of just planting a, you know, a crepe myrtle, which those are beautiful, but or a, you know, what are the other trees that people always plant? Bradford pears. Plant an apple tree. Plant a pear tree. Plant something that's going to give you something that's going to be beautiful at the same time. Look at your native plant nurseries and find things. And not only will you be happier because they'll grow easier, then you'll just you'll be even more in tune with the the natural world around you, and you won't have to worry about them dying because they're not native. Yeah. So so yeah. So natives are really really important, and I think understanding and and getting to know the native species around you and the zone you're in is important. Okay. So that was number five. Number four is no folk crafts and by full crafts i mean like making baskets bowls spoons things again i kind of feel like this one might be like times are gonna have to be bad if you're having to make your own spoons <laughs> yeah and the kid when we first had corona lockdown the kids had been dying to make spoons and like you know everything was locked down so there's absolutely nothing to do i was like let's go out there and we'll make some bowls and i was like man we were hand making these bowls with like a, a carving axe basically I was like, man, this is, it would be bad if you had to carve all your own bowls. But on the plus side, your arms would probably be stronger because they stopped pretty quick into making it. There it's are heavy. other skills that you can <laughs> learn that might be a little bit more relevant. Like even just fixing clothes or, or canning, 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 I feel like it's yeah. a super, it's not as hard as it seems like it is. And it's really like once you learn how to can, that can save you a lot. Money, time, also getting you this best nutrition that you can't get from somebody else, from your local farmers, you know, getting, buying local and in season is really only and possible glass glass jars glass too. jars yeah i mean there's so many reasons that it's a better choice than just buying canned goods from the store so um so yeah and also freezing and preserving in other ways whether it's fermenting or drying dehydrating that kind of thing these are all know-how things that will sustain you through the year in 
in the months where you can't grow what you need to eat. Another thing that I thought of is is maybe having a greenhouse and learning how to, to garden in a greenhouse. Yeah. Maybe building a root cellar. These are things root that cellar, I feel like definitely, really potentially yeah. increase your self-sufficiency. So, yeah. Okay. And that's, Actually, that's number three. I was going to say number three. That's food storage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, that canning is huge. Freezing is huge. I don't, I, tr I try not to be as reliant on a freezer as we have in the past because freezers will stop working. You know, the power can go out, the freezer can freeze over. There's lots of reasons and then you lose everything in there. I feel like if you got a freezer, you also have to invest in a generator. I mean, depending yeah. on, like we have two freezers right now that are, full. like you could not fit a penny in there. They are <laughs> no. so full. No. Yeah, yeah. They're so full. And, you know, ultimately it's really better if we can just can a lot of those frozen goods, whether it's meat, berries, all of these different things that we have in there, we could potentially take out at any time and then freeze or, and then, and then preserve in a different way if we needed to. But because of convenience, it's really nice to have, we drink a lot of smoothies. It's nice to have fresh frozen fruit in there. Yeah. And it does preserve a lot of the nutritional value if you eat them within a period of time. So yeah, we do freeze a lot, but food storage right now, we're really thinking about a root cellar situation because, you know, if you grow your own potatoes, you have to have a place to put those where they'll last. Potatoes can go bad pretty quick. Apple, right now, apples. We, right now we have them sitting on the porch. And that's not the <laughs> best choice. Also, pumpkins and squashes and things like that are, you know, you grow one pumpkin vine, you have 12 pumpkins, and you need a place to keep them so that they don't rot. So, yeah, mm -hmm. these are, this is not that far off from what our grandparents did. So, you know, we're just kind of turning back. Or the, the, or the Asian lady on YouTube. That we follow. <laughs> right? Yeah. And she puts us all the Do you shit. guys watch her? If you don't, you should. I, I don't know her name, but she her videos are amazing. Okay, number two. Number two. Water source. Water source. So I feel like with water source, the other important thing is water filter. Yeah. That's Amen. what came to mind because our water source right now is covered in a nasty green, green slime. Green slime. And full of leeches. Yeah, but we have a Berkey water filter, which if you're ever interested in getting one, let us know. We actually have affiliate links that we can send you for that. But they don't run on power, so it's gravity-fed, and it literally can filter out anything. It's like a... You could take that pond water, put it, pour it through there, yeah. and you got good, clean drinking water. Yeah, so, I mean, it's that's a save saver right there for sure and it gives me a lot of comfort knowing that because we have because we're on a well we have been without power for extensive period of time extended period of times after ice storms or hurricanes and if we didn't have and actually yeah at the time we didn't have generators so we were reliant 100 percent on getting outside water and bringing it in and knowing now that we wouldn't have to do that is a real comfort yeah yep okay and then number one did you guys guess it yet you, this is your last chance. All right, Lacey. I feel like it's been littered throughout everything that we said. I feel like there's a lot of spoilers. A lot there. of spoilers. Okay, so the number one, and if you're listening, I feel like you're already off to a good start with this, is build a community. So, yeah, I think that's the number one. The number one thing that people need to do is build a community. I completely agree with this. So our friends, you know, other farmer friends in the area, we've kind of got a great community and we're always looking to grow that. So if you want to move out near us, we'd love to have you out here. <laughs> but, you know, we go halvesy on things like trailers or chicken pluckers or wood splitters, you know, different things like that that you don't need on a daily basis, but you do need. Mm. And it doesn't make sense for everybody to own their own and have to keep it all up themselves mm. and that kind of thing. I think this is true of like almost all equipment ever. I really wish we could do it with automobiles too. I mean, I feel like, oh, so you know, when we got in a car wreck and one of our friends, we let did us, do it. Yeah. Yeah. One of our friends let us borrow their car, but then another friend said, Hey, you could borrow mine. And another friend said, Hey, you could borrow mine. 
was like, you know, we should just have one central parking lot where you go and you pick out the car you want and drive it and then put it back. I don't know. So we may be on the on the on bandwagon with a, com- a commune situation, but a kibbutz. <laughs> uh, we think community living is the way to go. Um, but then it's, there's other layers to that, too. This year, we had a really good peach year. We had tons of peaches. And so we were able to share a lot of our peaches with our friends. And and then in return, we got pumpkins and we got other things from them that we didn't grow as well. So it's this give and take. And it's building up that, again, that diversity of, of, of your community so that, you know, all the holes are filled by one person or another. And, and it's just been a really beautiful thing to watch that all kind of play out in our lives, especially this year as we had, um, you know, just a little bit more of a need to call on each other. So I think this is huge. And this is something that you should do locally and globally as well. I think the times we live in, we can all be a resource for one another and sharing knowledge and sharing resources and sharing just support for one another. And that's one thing I love about our Facebook group and our podcast is the feed and our email list and everything is we just get amazing feedback from people asking for support, offering support. And it, it just, it feels really good to have that in our lives. It's been really important for us. And I I know it would be what we would we would call on the most and you know should should things get worse right for sure yeah so that makes brings up next point is join our community if you haven't already get on facebook <laughs> connect, if connect. you are on facebook or instagram mm-hmm. connect with us there it's the schoolhouse life with Lacey and drew we have a facebook group or uh the schoolhouse life on instagram or Lacey. Of Schoolhouse Farm. Uh, of Schoolhouse Farm. Yeah, on if, Instagram. And if you're local, check out the events that we have going on. We would love for you to join us at these events. And the real goal of our schoolhouse is to build community and to give people a chance to connect to that community community and feel feel like they're a part because everyone has a role to play. And, and yeah. And for sure, we do some online stuff. So if you're global, yeah. connect with us on our global events. Exactly. And also leave us a review. We're really trying to build up the reviews on this uh, podcast. So it would, be, it would mean a lot for you to just go ahead and check those five stars and tell us how much you love it (laughs) and tag it tag us on instagram lacy of schoolhouse farm on instagram tag us with this episode share it with your friends uh, help spread the goodness and that's it everybody have a great day